Sci-Fi for Me presents Jason Hunt, Timothy Harvey. This is the H2O Podcast. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the H2O Podcast. My name is Timothy Harvey. And I'm Jason Hunt. And nothing happened this last weekend. I don't know. It's just a really slow week. (laughs) There's no news of any kind. It's very strange. Yeah. Oh, wait. There was a thing. There was a thing that happened this last weekend. Um, uh, somewhere out west. Oh, San Diego. Yeah, San Diego Comic Con. Yeah. SDCC, twenty twenty two. A little bit smaller, but that's only to be expected. You know, things are coming back, but they're not necessarily at the same scale as they were before. And that's, you know, quite frankly, for the folks who were there, that was probably not too bad. I mean, considering these giant conventions that you know happen in new york and and san diego and and you know they have become so big that maneuvering through some of these spaces well is definitely a challenge new york got big enough they had split it in half right and and so i'm I'm sure the comic stuff out of the convention that started out as a comics convention i mean if that's just brainless well, you know, it's just I, I'm like I said, I'm I'm sure that that while it was a smaller scale, and, and it was still not small by any stretch I, of the imagination. It's not I like suddenly saw, San Diego turned into like you know a, a three room affair. But well, I think I saw a hundred and thirty five thousand was the count as far right. as how many I mean, you know, how many not, tickets were sold. Not so. dinky by any stretch of the imagination, no. but definitely a smaller scale than than previous years. But like I said, that's only to be expected. Yeah. But some interesting news coming out of it. I suppose. Which we were expecting. We were expecting news. That's that's what happens at these big events. Yeah. You get the, you know. And and I will uh I will right off the top here say that I'm gonna let you do most of the talking on this because I as as I'm going through and seeing all of the different announcements and the stuff over the weekend after we got done with Saturday morning show. I find myself not very emotionally invested, and I'm like, okay, well, that's a thing. I mean, really, the only the only thing that has even remotely piqued my interest is the She-Hulk trailer, because she very clearly breaks the fourth wall in the middle of that trailer. Yeah. And I thought, okay, if they, if they get it right, this could be fun. But everything else that I saw coming out of there, I just, I'm like, okay, you know, for, for, for Marvel to, to lead off phase six with the Fantastic Four tells me that somebody's not thinking. Because the Fantastic Four should have started phase four. I mean, that's a, that's a no brainer to me. I've been in I've been in marketing for thirty years, and that's an that's an easy one. I I give it to them for free. Listen, hey, you got this thing with four, and you got this other thing over here with four. You know that thing that corporate speak word synergy. I I have a theory about that though. What's that? And that is that they are still trying to figure out how to make the stretching effect not look dumb. It looked okay in Doctor Strange 2. 
Yeah, but it's really only there for a very brief period of time. And, it, and all what we're really getting in that scene, spoiler alert for the if you haven't seen the film, um, is not really Reed doing the stretching himself. He is being stretched unto right. and then he comes apart. No, I know, so, but but if it's if it's done in a limited amount, see, and this is this is one of those things where I think less is more. Because if you because how, how many times have we sat and talked about when Hollywood develops the thing and they get this new toy to play with, they use it everywhere ad nauseum until everybody is so sick to death of it after six weeks of seeing it that they don't ever want to see it again. And sure, right. if they figure out the stretching and they do it in a way that's effective in its limited use... Yeah, but I don't think I don't think you can get away with limited use if you're doing a Fantastic Four movie because there's four main characters. It depends on what kind of story you're telling. Well, yeah, that's very true. Uh, but I mean, I think the Marvel Marvel currently, I think, has the issue that they started off with such big iconic characters for a comic book fans mm. and big iconic actors for um the the roles and you know again marvel marvel generally has a pretty good track record with casting and so because they built everything so big and and got so much right at the beginning um everything you know the everyone's watching every single positive you know absolute misstep they could possibly have and it in, and i think that it's a little unfair um, I mean, I'm not saying that you, know, you shouldn't criticize things that deserve criticism, but um, you know, Marvel being able to, um, you know, Marvel doesn't have the ability to make mistakes at this point. I mean, they get there. There's that whole thing. It's like you know, you get the one big film that ruins everything. Okay, a, a I think that's of, likely. I I don't know that. I don't but, know that they're well. It'd have, to, it'd have to be really bad. Phase four has certainly been full of less than stellar performance in terms of well, box think, office and audience reaction and critic response and all of that. It's been well, it's I think been a part of tepid. the problem for for this particular phase, and this is a this is a topic we can expand on elsewhere, um, is that you built everything up so big that no matter what you do, unless you get it, you know, these, these are all smaller level stories. Yeah. I don't have a problem with that. You know, I mean, cause, and so as a comic book reader, and so then I, okay, yes, we are, we're talking two different things here, but you know, the part of the problem that the Marvel movies have is the same problem. And we think we talked about this last week that comic books have in general, DC and Marvel both have for must have next big event mm -hmm. must build the next. I mean, CD, you know, we just we just found out that ah, it's another crisis on Infinite Earths. Okay, sure, why not? Well, um, and and Phase Six is going to end with two more Avengers movies, right? But the thing is, the you know the big announcement at San, at San Diego is all here's all the face you know Wakanda Forever wraps up Phase Phase Four and Phase Five is going to be Ant Man and Guardians of the Galaxy and whatever other stuff yada bada bada yada, and then Phase Six is Fantastic Four and whatever else and and 
we've got all of these, all of the, you know, it's, it's, qua- it's quantity over quality at this point. It's, let's just, let's just throw everything out there for the next well, three years. And that's you're going to get overwhelmed. What, I mean, I think they, I think they did this to themselves. I mean, I think this is, this is, this is the kind of thing where, and, and it's, I don't, I don't know how they could have actually avoided this on the broad level. Because unless you stick with the characters that you have, you know, yeah. run run the, you know, you you've built up this giant fan base for these particular characters, but those actors have moved on because this is not their life. Their life is playing lots of different roles, not just Tony Stark forever yeah. or Steve Rogers forever. Well, or, and, you and know. to your point um, about the smaller stuff, I mean, that's how that's how phase one started. I mean, you had a bunch of solo films. You had Iron Man, you had Captain America, you had Thor. Everybody had their own solo movie except Black Widow. And then you build up to the team-up, something that DC got wrong sure. because they went for the team-up first and didn't build up to it. And I, you, you could, you could make the case that it felt like they were kind of doing that with Phase Four, with Shang Chi and the 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 Eternals, and and you know, and then suddenly it was like, where is this going? And when Kevin Feige sits there and says, "Well, it, some of these, some of these tail end, you know, end credit scenes kind of are showing what kind of direction they're going." When we had phase one, two, and three, we knew from almost from the get-go that this was leading to Thanos. There was a there was an arc that was in place. Like we know where this is going in two, this three true, years. But we don't have any clue at all about what's going to happen now. Well, and and to some degree, I'm I'm kind of okay with that. But also remember, because I don't. I don't need my hand held to where the story is going. I like to be surprised, but anyway, I mean, we know we know it's building to Kang. I mean, they've established that. Well, it's not hand holding. I'm not. I'm not looking at it that way. I'm looking at it from no. the standpoint of marketing. I mean, if the audience, well, but, if the audience but, doesn't but have remember, any we also mocked. Everyone mocked for a while. It's like there's 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 Thanos. He's he's sitting on his chair. He's just he's hanging out. He's. <clears throat> He's going to get around to this eventually. Yeah. He's, and then when he finally he, opens up and he says, fine, I'll do it myself, the the crowd goes wild. Right. But the thing is, is like, how many films would basically like, yep, that's, there's, there's the purple guy. He's just over there being, being purple, sitting on his chair. I don't know. I just, I just look at all this I mean, stuff. I mean, the, the, the trailer for Wakanda Forever is a mess. I don't know what kind of film it's trying to sell me. Are I we, actually liked it quite a bit um, visually. I, I see, well, sure, visually it, it's pretty, but it's two it's, different. It's beautifully it's two, shot. Um, two different the, movies, and and I think that the, this trailer is. I think this trailer is designed for. Kind of an, I mean, I think, I think it's deliberately designed to be an emotional kind of things for folks who are going to be to have that emotional reaction to seeing what a film that is really clearly being meant to be part tribute um as well as just story and i think that that there it's effective i think it's what's curious to me so somebody in social media said just let angela bassett be the black panther and i was like 20 years ago i would have said yes in a heartbeat give her the suit 
let her go because I'm, a, I'm a huge Angela Bassett fan. Um, and, and if you've never seen Strange Days with Ray Fiennes came out in, I think, 1997, 96, 96 something like that. Um, 95, 90, somewhere in there. Um, where she plays a bodyguard and she is just, you could, you know, she's, she's got the physical skills for it. Um, but, uh, I would be like, yes, that would have been great 20 years ago. Um, but, um, 95, um, 95. Yeah. So, I mean, because it's lousy ad campaign, really solid movie, but she's great in it. Um, and, I, you know, I think I think I think it's really designed to be an emotional thing, and I think that that's fine. I'm more interested. I, I would like to see more of some of the stuff. I mean, Namor, we get glimpses of. I think the most interesting thing with the take they got on Namor, with sort of making it this sort of um, what Aztec Incan connection, yeah, Mayan, is the I think, yeah. is is thank you um, is playing into this this um, the various you know. What happened to Atlantis after it sunk? Where did the people go? And there's a whole subset of, of the Atlantis myth where they went and became um, the Mayans and and that culture was heavily influenced by Atlantis. So I, as somebody who has read enough um, of the various Atlantis myths and how people have spun, I thought that's very interesting that they went there and did that because it's, this is this is a thing that actually exists in terms of the Atlantis myth as as part of the various people who said, "Well, we've found Atlantis. It's in South America, mm -hmm. is it?" Um, but it's also uh, I'm I'm just pleased I'm just pleased they didn't do the ultimate Namor because so much of the Marvel uni cinematic universe is influenced by the Ultimate right. Universe and. I was never a fan of the ultimate Namor. He was just kind of a brat as far as I was concerned. Other people, if you're a fan of him, that's great. But I I, I was never impressed with the character. Yeah. So at least, at least uh, you know, so far, they haven't given us that character. And I like the fact that they made it distinct. Here's where DC actually beat them, right? Because DC had Aquaman. So it's a distinct vision of Atlantis. And so I'm fine with that so far. So far. We'll see how, the you know, Aside from the brief glimpses we got, what kind of execution? But at least initially, hmm. I like the distinction, and that's and that's fine. I saw something. Was it today? Yesterday? Talking about uh, recent historical studies, apparently saying something along the lines of the Mayan civilization more uh european asian in in influence and i don't know where that where that's come come from because you're right i have i mayans the aztecs and all of those all south american you you think latin america type of things and you know i'm looking at this design for namor and it's like he doesn't look anything like the character in the comic books and I, you know, I, okay, fine. You want to do Mesopotamian, Aztec, Mayan, whatever, ancient civilization, fine. But that's not the character from the books. And again, you get back to what we've talked about before, is you have a ton of people that are going to go to these movies, and some of them, a very small percentage of them, are going to send to go, oh, this comic book movie is kind of cool. I think I'll go check out the comic book. And then they go check out the comic book and it's a completely different character. 
all well, across the board. I mean, it's everybody. It's Amadeus Cho's The Hulk. It's Jane Foster as Thor. It's 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 uh, Rhodey as well, Iron Man. It's Sam Wilson as Fat. All all of them are different. It's like, well, this well, is not this is not the character I just saw in the movie, and they're going to yeah, do that well, again with Namor. Well, and the, the except in terms of character, we don't know with Namor visually. Definitely, there's no question. But we haven't got you know there's. Namor has no lines. There's no, there's, you know, there's whatever the conflict between Wakanda and Atlantis is, you know, we just have these little visual mm -hmm. teases. We don't have, we don't have the, the, the details there. So I'm actually waiting to see before I I liked the look of the trailer. I thought it was, I thought it looked great. Um, but I, until we have more character, I guess character reveals of, yeah. of Namor to get more of a sense of, of how this character is being done. Um, and again, I don't necessarily have an issue with it not lining up with the comics, especially considering how much it is heavily influenced by the ultimate universe. Right. And I'm glad they don't line things up with the comics because for the ultimate universe, because there's the ultimate universe doesn't exist anymore because they wrote it into the ground. Neither does 616 exist e anymore either. Uh, MS is asking, in Marvel, Namor is a mutant, but are the Atlanteans also mutants? Is, is Namor a mutant in uh, in the books? I so mean, now the they've comics, introduced mutants in the comics, now. So. Namor was like, um, he was a mutant when it comes to being an Atlantean. Mm. So the Atlanteans have blue-tinged skin. Um, often, you know, usually showed in the comic as being, they're blue. Um, Namor was a rare a, a mutant birth, essentially, who came out having pale skin. And so it's a whole lot of, you know, the whole, you're not like us growing up outside, outcast, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, and so there are, I think, I want to say there's a handful of, what, pink Atlanteans? Um, but Namor is, is an outlier. And so he's a mutant when it comes to being a um, uh, an Atlantean. Whether or not he's going to fit into the same categorizations that Marvel's going to come up with for their mutants in the Marvel Cinematic Universe... Now in the Earth in in the in the Ultimate Universe, he's not a mutant because the mutants in the Ultimate Universe were created in a lab. the The first mutation, the first the mutants were created um, out of genetic engineering to try and recapture the super soldier serum that Captain uh, America had. Okay, um, which of course is a horrible, you know. Magneto is like, we're the next generation of, of you know, the, we're the next level of humanity. And it's like, no, you're not. You're built in a lab and it did not end well. In fact, that's how, you know, a good chunk of <laughs> the ultimate universe got destroyed is because Magneto found out the truth about mutants. So luckily, you don't need to know any of this stuff for the Marvel Cinematic Universe because it's terrible. It's <laughs> terrible. It's just bad. I mean, they for ultimate spider-man for a long time was i think one of marvel's best comics in terms of of taking peter parker back to being a teenager 
and and bringing in new fans and refreshing old stories and creating new spins on characters and being really clever and then ultimate avengers came along and they were like well let's just break it and they just kept breaking it until it was you know the only the, the only, i think one of the few things that came out of the ultimate line that that is worthwhile is is uh you know miles morales and everything else I, you can you can the rest of it is is basically gone and that's fine so oh but, well, i mean it's, i mean it's it, <clears throat> yeah i'm not i'm not super thrilled about i'm also i mean i don't know jason you and i are in a position that we've seen enough of this stuff we've seen enough of this stuff how this stuff all works and we've also been expecting the superhero bubble to burst for a long time I that know. it's hard for me to be excited. I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with some of these things just because I'm curious. And I like, you know, I'm often very entertained by Marvel movies and TV shows. Right. Um, and I, but my expectations, I don't expect to be like, I don't expect to be blown away. I mean, I'm not, I'm not sure if that's just me being, you know, 52. Um, and and having seen so and having consumed so much of this content over my life, I'm hoping to be blown away. That being blown away is great. You know, having that experience is really great. But you know, I'm looking at this schedule and I'm thinking some of this stuff could be fun, and I'm 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 okay with that. I'm okay with that. I mean, I don't. I don't know. I just I I just I can't get excited about any of it. I, and 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 well, it could and be that uh, let me let me allow for the possibility that it could just be where I'm at right now because sure. there's you know, you know same thing for me I mean I'm just you know I'm I'm getting to a point where um there's there's a lot that I'm you know there's a lot of different things that are taking my attention and and this well, kind of and, stuff and is I just think like on the on the flip side of that you get Shazam and and Black Adam, which yeah. actually looks like DC's got this thought process right. Is that we had a we had a you know the first movie, and now we get a second movie, and we've got his big villain, and it looks like they're actually you know giving the the Shazam characters Captain Marvel um, enough time to be those characters and then they're going to introduce of course his big villain i yeah I kinda, so far it looks like this actually is is a good idea i'm like hmm. my my problem my problem with the shazam movies is one he's captain marvel not shazam two right. that's not captain marvel it's new 52 captain marvel which is kid inside a grown-up suit and that's not how Captain Marvel works because Wisdom of Solomon and, you know, it, Captain Marvel has been established forever as a completely different entity, a different persona. It's I, not I Billy. I don't disagree, but I also, I, I look at this the same way I look at the changes that the Marvel uni Cinematic Universe made to the characters on this, from the comics. The characters on the screen... That's not Tony Stark's origin. I know. That's not. 
but they've know, updated I mean, they've updated Tony Stark's origin how many times because oh, you yeah. know Vietnam and Korea and, and whatever and, else. You know, Doc, Doctor Strange, Doctor Strange in the movies is only so much like Doctor Strange in the comics, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, the, they make these changes moving from one medium to another. I'm not a particularly big fan of the, um, but still, it's not just the new Fifty Two shazam character it's this is the same character that that has continued on yeah um so they're still using that version um and i'm not a particularly i i prefer the older version myself but quite frankly i enjoyed the first movie it was i thought it was okay i mean i i just i i'm not a fan of shazam being a comedy and I get that. I, I considering. I think part of the reason I enjoyed it more than I thought I would is the the chemistry of the cast. They cast the. I think they cast the film really, really well, and so it was yeah. fun. And also, I think a little bit of reaction, you know, um, to the fact that DC's whole thing at that point was grip dark. <laughs> and you know, again, for for all the folks who who love the the Zack Snyder stuff, that's fine. It's just not. It's. I think the other part of it is it could it could very well be that I have a, a feeling I have a certain sense of loyalty to the to to the Captain Marvel oh, sure. I grew up with because I'm friends with Jackson Bostwick. I know him. Right? I've worked with him. And oh, yeah. he was he was my Captain Marvel. Not 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 Daily. I mean Daily sure. came in afterwards, but Jackson Bostwick was my Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. And I know the guy. And well, I, you know, and I'm like, this is just isn't Captain Marvel to me. Well, I think there's there's something that, that we we get the wonderful joy of experiencing when these characters because it's hardly the first time won't be the last all of these characters have been reinvented several times over the course of their careers yeah we just happen to be at that weird place which is really cool because we've talked about this before we were we were there for raiders of the lost ark in the theaters and star wars in the theater and jaws in the i mean we were we were there whether well i didn't get to see jaws in the theater but we were there when so many of these iconic things were brand new and so we also were there for when some of this stuff was reinvented for a new generation and it's and we're not that generation yeah so it's kind of like and in some cases they're inventing it not for our kids but for our kids kids I know. which is like we're like two generations back so we get that we're like mm. well and and ms has <laughs> a has a question here uh even though Suzanne was more serious in older versions, wasn't he still childish in that his emotions were still immature, even though he's not funny? Um, immature is not the word I think we want to use. Or we, well, you can if you want, but it's not the word I would use because there's there was a he was a sim- he was more just straightforward, the good guy. Uh, yeah, there was Adam. There, was less, there were less Adam West Batman, in, but in not the Captain Marvel universe. Yeah, I think there, there was, was there less was more, nuance, and it was and it was certainly treated with a certain amount of when when you were reading a, a, a Captain Marvel comic, um, you were not necessarily diving into the darker places that DC was playing in at that time. No. 
and and I'm talking. I'm not just talking the '80s and and the fallout from Watchmen. I'm talking like the '70s. Okay, uh, the cap. You know, you're you were getting Captain Marvel was. I'm going innocent, more innocent storytelling, and there's nothing yeah. wrong with that. There's a place for that, of course. And so, um, and quite frankly, I am again because just like you, that's the version of the character I grew up with. Um, that's always going to have a. That's always going to have a, a preference. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, but I I liked the trailer. It looked like fun. Um, I've liked the trailers for Black Adam. Um, I'm I'm interested in seeing what, you know, how these two actually cross over. Because it looks like we're taking very different tones. Yeah. And I think that that can be that. I think when these two characters come together, that's going to be the tricky part the the one thing that i'm interested in as far as black adam is concerned is pierce brosnan's dr fate looks great that that right there intrigues me the rest of it i take it or leave it i don't care but i just i'm pleased with the production design on on black adam i love seeing the justice society brought to life i love seeing them getting like full Except it's not really the Justice Society. It's kind of the other Justice Society. Well, it's the so it's, it's not the, Flash. It, no, it's, it's not Green Lantern. Well, it's got echoes of um, the Robinson run, where it was the modern society yeah. who was who was uh, led by Sand, who was um, the kid sidekick to Sand. The the not not. The Morpheus Sandman, right. but the, the the so which I actually quite liked that run in the comics because it was that whole mixing of of legacy heroes and newer heroes, and so you had this mentor relationship with a lot of that stuff. Yeah, and it was playing with some. It was it was it was a well handled overall. It had its missteps, but overall, I think it was a well handled conversation about legacy. Um, and quite frankly. I think it was one of the stronger series of its time, but um, I'm still happy to see some of these characters brought to life, um, and you know how how it actually plays out. DC has its issues. There's yeah. no question. I just wish but, they'd quit race swapping all the redheads. Every uh, every redhead. I mean, Cyclone in this one. They've they've race swapped Cyclone. They've race swapped Jimmy Olsen. They've race swapped Kid Flash. I mean, it's just there's it's like Karen Gillan is the only redhead who's allowed to work in Hollywood right now. Bryce Dallas Howard, maybe, you know, but she's a director more than she is an actor anymore. Right. It's it's I don't know. It's frustrating. When I stop to think about it, see that's that's the kind of thing. I sit there and I was like, yeah, okay, fine. I mean, it's irritating. When I spend the five seconds to think about it, otherwise I'm just sitting there thinking, oh, I'm, I'm past the point of caring. Speaking of Sandman, what do you think about all of that? Um, the trailer looks fantastic. Um, I am, the only question I have based on, on the trailer is it looks like, and again, trailers lie, folks. Yeah. Just remember that trailers are, so the, um, the Corinthian, uh, what, who is our character with the eyes? Um, 
And uh, yes, those are teeth, by the way. It's hard to tell in a few of the shots, but he's got, he doesn't have eyeballs. He has, he has mouths. Um, he is important to the arc that this first season is telling. Right. Um, but the trailer gives him a little more emphasis than he gets in the comic. That concerns me a little just because part of the resolution of the Corinthians initial arc, because he comes back later in, in various stories. Um, part of his, his, it's a display of dreams power. And so I'm curious to see where, and again, you know, Neil Gaiman is behind this. He's the one who's, you know, approving these, whatever changes are being made. Right. So he may have a very specific thing in mind because again, the Corinthian comes back, um, in in later stories in various forms he's like he's a nightmare nightmares evolve and change that's just mm, what they do right so it's it's one of the aspects of of the the larger part of dreams realm um so i'm but what i see so far visually i think they're doing a really good job of capturing at least the visual tone because there was a bunch of different artists yeah. on the sandman during this period it was i think there were three artists wasn't it all black and white arc. huh wasn't it all black and white no no it was, was not that, all black no. and white okay. it was it was all color um there were black and white stories and black and white panels but no they, it was it was color um and so so far i'm i'm it's it's one of the series that concerns me the most because I'm actively excited about it. Yeah. And that worries me because you know what happens when you get excited about these things? Yeah. Um, Which is why I don't get excited be, about these things anymore. It increases the possibility of being disappointed. Yeah. So, but so far, I saw so the clip far, between where he confronts Lucifer about his helmet being stolen. That's, that's making the rounds. There's that's that clip is circulating. It looks, you know, Production value I'm, is pretty high. It looks like they yeah, spent a dollar I'm, or two on it. I'm really curious. So there's two things. There's two things that that we get these scenes of 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 Morpheus's trip to hell to retrieve his home, and there's a scene that involves the demon who has it. Mm -hmm. um, that I'm really curious to see how they bring to life. They have not. You don't. You can't really see any of that in the trailer, um, and then when the second trip i'm really interested to see the second trip that that morpheus takes to hell and i don't think that's going to fall in this season yeah if i, if I remember right that, that that would be the the next season i think um so i'm i mean because those two those two trips to hell i've got some real visual possibilities not to mention some really great story um yes this is the new trailer um, that is got a lot more. It, it expands. It's got a lot of the same imagery, but it's also got some additional stuff. And it looks. Yeah, Dave, I mean, we get we get more. Dave is asking about a new trailer for Monsters. Was there was there a Monsters trailer that we got from San Diego? I don't recall we, seeing anything like that. We got the Monster trailer before. Yeah, and I will. Okay. I think they're making a mistake doing it in color. So here, okay, so actually the color one was first. There is a black and white trailer that is circulating that is not, I don't think is actually from Rob Zombie. 
here's my problem with Rob Zombie movies. <clears throat> now hold Come on, folks. hold Come on. To my you've been you've been so excited about this every single time you talked about this. So now you're gonna now you're gonna backtrack. I have, no, I have I have been I have been excited about Rob Zombie promoting his movie and his excitement about uh. it. My own personal feelings are complicated. First of all, as as I enjoy the Munsters TV series, but I don't have an emotional attachment to it. It's not my favorite old vintage show. Um, it's fine. It's it's often very funny, and I can if it's on and I'm watching it, I will be amused. Yes. Um, but I don't have like this emotional attachment to the concept. Rob Zombie is a a really enthusiastic about his in the influences that have made him the success he has become i mean he's as, as a musician he's his stuff is really horror influenced it's really this 1950s 1960s kind of of uh hammer films mm-hmm. you know tv the the tv stuff that's like the monsters and and the adams family from the you know the 60s and and I I really appreciate that, and and as I'm actually, a, I'm more of a fan of his music than I am a fan of him as a filmmaker. However, um, quite frankly, um, I think House of a Thousand Corpses is a bad movie, <laughs> um, and Devil's Rejects is really really good. But Devil's Rejects is a thriller; it's a crime movie. It's not a horror film. No, and. I think his Halloween films are bad. They're just bad. I'm sorry. They they look shiny and glossy, and I do not like them. I actively do not like them. And that and, and I know they got their fans, and that's great. But it's like the remake of the, it's like the prequel to the thing, which was if also called the thing. If you don't get John Carpenter, anyway, anyway. Um, so he's clearly having a great time and he clearly loves the material and that's fantastic. And I appreciate the enthusiasm, but you know what I didn't need? I didn't need the origin story of the monsters. And this is an origin story movie. It's there. We don't have the kids. It's the meet cute of our our Un- main characters unless and... unless the meet cute origin is the first 20 minutes or so that's all they're giving yeah. us and the and we don't have the rest you know get the rest so, of it I mean, afterwards it's, it's it's fine i mean i'm i'm i think if if he delivers something that respect. See, I I've never watched any of Ron's, Rob Zombie's movies, so I I don't I don't have a dog in the fight. But if he delivers something that respects the source material, the way Jason Reitman did with Ghostbusters Afterlife, you, he he'll probably have a hit on his hands. I th- I think potentially. I think another. Uh, there's been a lot of criticism of the visual texture of that big trailer. The 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 trailer that was released. It looks. Um. Some people criticize it as looking kind of cheap. Looks a little garish because yeah, it's in and, color. And somebody sat there and, and said 
for a film that cost X amount of dollars uh, that this looks really cheap. And Rob Zombie was like, you think it costs that much money? That's not how much money. I didn't have anywhere near that much money. Do you have any idea how much we squeezed the budget on this film? Because there is not enough money. No. See, I've never had that much money to make a movie. And in fairness to Zombie, however you feel about his films, like him or dislike them, he has spent his money wisely, production-wise, for every one of his movies. Sure. He's a good... When it, he's, he's either had a good money producer there with him or he does it himself or whatever, but he's gotten, I've, I've never hated the way that zombies movies looked. Yeah. I just, you know, and, and here's a newsflash. Not every horror movie has to be for me. It's okay. <laughs> I'll be all right. I have I have a wide range of things to choose from. Some yeah. of them don't have to land. It's okay. Well, for every but, George Lucas, there needs to be a Gary Kurtz. And there, yeah, I think that's fair. And yeah. I think that, um, so the definition of a thriller versus a horror flick, that's a whole other episode. We can come <laughs> back to that topic because because I think there's, there's gray areas and there's sharp distinctions. Yeah. So we can play with that another episode. Um, I will make a note. Yeah, because there are plenty of uh, genre thrillers that do not cross over into horror territory. And there are plenty of genre horror that I think play very well as thrillers, too. And yeah, anyway, that's a whole other story. Um, I'm not entirely sure why we need a national treasure uh, <laughs> that doesn't have Nick Cage. I'm I'm not sure what the point of that is. They're remaking oh, Relic, Relic wait. Hunter. It was the librarians. We already had it. And it was fun for a few seasons. And go back and watch that, folks. Well, I, I mean, enjoyed the librarians. It was it was it was light and fluffy and fun. She walks in dressed like Indiana Jones. And takes the hat off and swears the hair like she's in a Pantene commercial. I'm like, what are you doing? This is completely unnecessary. And it's... I just, I mean... To hear the, the, the showrunner sit there and say, we were so desperate to do something different, we had to have a girl. I was like, that's your pitch? That's your selling point. We're just, we just and see, and of course, that invites all of the criticisms of identity politics and all this other garbage... Because people are going to assume, because now we got a woman in the lead, it's going to have all this other stuff that comes with it, all this baggage that comes with it. Whether it does or not, I don't know. Don't don't I I don't have any interest in the show. I don't care. I I would have been this. This is an example for me of were it I, never me. They never come to me for these questions, and I could give them some of the answers. Were it I, um. I have zero problems with the premise of the series. Yeah. And I have zero problems with, you know, the cast. That's fine. I, I got no problems with that. But it didn't necessarily need to be a national treasure uh, series. I think that that's it's, it's like they're you're you're banking on a brand and that's that doesn't always work. Well, it's, and in it's fairness, dis- you know, sometimes it does, but sometimes it just doesn't. They're they're so. looking at it, and is this is this Disney Plus? Is Disney doing it? 
I'm not sure. Because Star Wars has stumbled. Marvel is is getting a little long in the tooth. And you've got probably somebody sitting there saying, uh, we need something else. We need another franchise. We need something else. Uh, by the way, John Carter would like a word. Um, but, no, yeah, no but, kidding. Uh, but yeah, they're so doing, they're Relic doing, Hunter, Rel okay? yeah, so Relic, Relic Hunter, Hunter is the same is, thing. Relic Hunter is Indiana Jones is a woman. And this yeah. is, this is, this is national treasure with a female lead. And I'm fine with that, but it's a different show. Yeah. Well, and they are talking oh. about, they, they do want to get Nicolas Cage back. And quite but frankly, he's if, been busy. if they can tie it back into Nicolas Cage and they can get him in for like appearances here and again, yeah, that's fine. But well, right and that's now, what they ended what up doing with the so librarians. Far, I'm not excited about it at yeah, all. Yeah, that's, that's what they ended up with the librarians because uh, what's his name? Uh, Noah Noah Wiley was the librarian, and then there were the librarians, and Noah Wiley wasn't in all of them. So right, you know, I mean, and that's you know, and, and I, like I said, I enjoyed the librarian movies and i enjoyed the librarian tv show it was not particularly deep or meaningful but you know what it was it was it fun was just yeah fun. and that's and see, something wrong with that if, either if so. you're going to do the national treasure as a tv series nick cage has to be in the setup you would he's I, got I to would, hand it I off i would think so or or it's building up to him showing up later like yeah part of the quest is to find nick cage well the guy the guy playing riley is in there. So there's that connection. Harvey Keitel is back as his as the FBI agent person guy. So there are con there are connections. And right. yes, and they've so said, that, you, know, you know, it's it's, you know, Nicholas Cage is if, busy. Like, Come on. Two days. If they're building two days. If they're building up to that, then that that's fine. But right now I'm just like, okay, whatever. Um well, I do he, have to say what would that be fun is if I he comes am... in to rescue her at the end. You're in over your head. You need my help. People or it's or it's revealed that all of whatever she's doing is her quest to find him because she knows he's missing something, something to bring it together, right? No, no, no. We'll I, see. I like I like the idea of him coming to rescue her because progressives would blow a gasket because of the whole damsel in distress thing. I, I um, I'd, well, I'd be I would, there for that. I, I would not necessarily blow a gasket. It, but well, I would you're also not be really you're annoyed. not far enough left to be annoyed by that, but. I'm, uh, I'm as far left as I need to be. Um, <laughs> I have to say that I have mixed feelings about the Dungeons and Dragons trailer. And I'm not not because it doesn't look like a fun fantasy film. It looks like a fun fantasy film. Mm -hmm. And I got no problems with that. We've been burned before. <laughs> well, Dungeons okay. and Dragons is a cursed film let, property. Let me ask you this, though. Given... Given the mix of characters that we see in the trailer, given how they look, the designs of those characters, don't you think that we're missing someone? Little guy, I, long hair, I, goes by the name of Dungeon Master, because the, these characters have more than a passing resemblance to the animated characters. I wonder... If they are holding that back for maybe an, uh, a trailer that's closer or yeah. or just not having it in the trailer at all, I'm, I'm curious because I watched this trailer. And again, folks, trailers, <laughs> trailers lie. Yeah. 
But I'm watching this trailer and I'm thinking, this looks like fun. And I, I'm, I'm like, okay, great. That's fantastic. I'm, this looks like it's got that right tone of seriousness and silliness. And I have a tentative amount of positivity. Yeah. Um, but again, trailers. Yeah. They lie. Emma says the D and D look good. The problem with D and D, there's no recognizable characters unless you make Dra- Dragonlance or Drizzt. The thing is, though, the counterpoint that I would like to make is that nobody who, if if you haven't played D and D, if you haven't read the Dragonlance or or, or the Drizzt books, then you're not going to recognize them either. Majority of the people who are familiar with D and D, if they're familiar with D and D at all is going to go back to the cartoon. Well, or you... Part of the, the fun of playing D&D is that you create your own character, which means having characters who aren't necessarily recognizable or or iconic D&D characters. Yeah, the archetypes. You know? yeah. You and, yeah, the archetype is there, but the individual character is more fluid so that I guess the, it's more of an audience connection kind of thing. And I think personally, of the, of the trailers that I saw, it's one of the ones that I sat there and I went, all right. <laughs> all right. All you know, right. You, you know what they you, ought to you do? Intrigued me. I know they're not going to do this, but what, what would be fun to see? And, and they're not going to do it because it would cost way too much money is to do like Clue. Where you have the same actors playing a different set of characters for a different adventure each time. Now, you could do that in sequels, subsequent sequels. If, if you want that, there is a whole lot of, of live play uh, D&D podcasts. Yeah. The, but, our gaming podcast where they but do the, that all but the, the time. End, it's yeah, like but the end they credit do a campaign, scene. Yeah, they do it again with the same people, except they have all new characters. Get the, it's yeah, a lot of fun. But this, this, we get the whole movie is a D and D movie. The end credit scene are those actors and their civilian counterparts playing the game. Oh, that was fun. What are we going to do next time? Oh, I got an that idea. Would, I, I would, I would, I would enjoy that. Yeah, yeah, and, yes, and there, you reveal, a, you reveal huge... dungeon master there. Ooh, yeah. I have an That'd idea. Be, uh, I'd we'll, be all right we'll with talk. That. Yeah, yeah. There we go. so, so, but here's the thing: is that the D and D movies prior to this one? I know it makes you go, okay, are they getting it right? Or as someone, as someone who played when D, back when D and D was a new thing, and mm. of course mm. was terrifying to every parent within a thousand miles of you at any given time. Yep. Um, who played a lot of D and D? Played a lot of Starship Battles. Who played a lot of Star Trek role playing game? Who played Car Wars? Car Wars. Played all yep. of those tabletop games back in the day. Yep. Um, and when we were getting D and D anything, we were like, "You got excited," and then they broke your heart a little, or a lot. <laughs> and so after a while, it's like, okay. Just because you're bringing me flowers now, yeah, well, doesn't mean I don't forget all again, the all the things you've done to me before. Again, that goes back to um, 
Ghostbusters Afterlife and Top Gun Maverick, and you look at that and say, if you respect the source material, then it should it should go well. But it's funny you mentioned, you know, you get burned, the abuser comes back, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. A lot of people are saying that about Picard. Because season three, we got that trailer, and here's all here's all the member berries, and, and here's everybody from Next Generation crew, and oh, it looks great, and Worf actually looks like Worf. He looks like a Klingon. Mm-hmm. And, and so I have I have mixed feelings about Picard in general. Um, I have, again, I don't, I don't mind when shows try new things and try and do different directions. It doesn't bother me. Sure, it's all about whether or not it works, right? And and of course that becomes a subject, subjective thing. And so, what does it work for me? All right. And I think I think about half of season one worked for me, and about half of season two worked for me. And it would be nice if season three worked for me all the way across the board, or at least greater than fifty percent. Yeah. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing that cast back together, but I also am not. I mean, I'm not super excited. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to those that cast being back together. I don't hate Picard as as a series, but it's also one of the things like I don't I I think they had some interesting ideas that needed maybe a f- another month or two months in the writers room. Well, to to, to, to make them actually because there's some interesting ideas there that just feel not formed enough, not finalized. Well, except, and I think that that's a real, a real shame. Except season one and season two both stole ideas from other things, even even other Star Trek. I mean, there there was they oh, weren't yeah, doing no. anything original. And season one, I hated season one. I I, I I watched it all the way through. I gave it a shot. I was like, yep, nope, done, finished. And mm-hmm. and sure. you know. I haven't even watched season two yet. Don't care. That I just I I just I just checked out, and sure, seeing this, and I'm like, okay, if this had been the trailer, the teaser for season one, I'm there. But you have you being the production have burned the bridge with so many fans. And, uh, and and I will admit some of this is online behavior from the cast and crew and and and, and that doesn't help but you know and I, then I, I look and I see you know Robert Meyer Burnett who's been one of the most vocal critics of Picard hates Picard has apparently seen season three and he says Terry Metallus pretty much took the reins from everybody and he'd made Star Trek but it's it's a case now for a lot of us you know too little too late. I don't care sure. anymore. You know, you've you've already you've already pushed me away by by delivering a subpar product. I mean, it's I. And Picard's dead anyway. Well, not anymore. He died at the beginning of season one, or at the end of season one. He's dead. Well, that's what season two retcons. Though. I know Q and all that. 
Oingo Boingo, whatever. But well, and, and quite dead. frankly, the the best the the part some of the parts that worked for me in season two really were all the John Delancey, uh, Patrick Stewart interactions. Yeah. I think that stuff really really worked. But it, the, it, that that I think really leaned into what they got right about it. And I think that there was again coming back to interesting ideas that I don't think quite were where all the way they needed to be. They finally made for me the Borg slightly more interesting um, because after a while, I mean, the, yeah. the Borg are, are fascinating villains the first couple of times, yeah. and then they become the recurring villain villain in Voyager until they've lost any sense of threat. It's like the Daleks. Yeah, I mean, you you have to you have to try and do something interesting with and and that and a lot of times that means completely different than what you've seen before. And I think they tried to do that with the Borg in season two. And I think that they almost pull it off. I don't think they quite get there. But at least they tried to do something different with the Borg. Mm -hmm. And so between the Borg stuff and the Q stuff, I enjoyed season two more than season one. And it's interesting to see, again, like I said, I'm... I'm always interested when someone tries to do something different with something. Yeah. It's pulling it off. And there's the challenge. I mean, and and the thing is, is we talked about this before too, fans want the same thing often. They want what they got before because that's what made them fans. But after a while, the people who are making the thing, that's not what they want to do. Whether it's the actors or the producers or the writers. And that becomes that tension yeah. between between because um, I mean even you look at something like Strange New Worlds there's you know it's like we're, we're going back to the episodic format well kind of because there's a through yeah. line um, and it's it's the and it's much much you know it's uh, it's it's going back to the original series yeah. it's a much darker show than the original series yeah it is and and you know dave's right you know pitching it if you're pitching the idea is one thing execution is yeah. another but i would i would also say that if you're making a thing if you're making a thing that is not what you made you didn't create it you're coming along five years later 10 years later 25 years later 50 years later you are a steward, and this applies to comic books just as it does to Star Trek or Doctor Who or any of these established franchises. You're a steward of the material, and you can sure. only you can only do so much different because well, but, there, yeah, like you said, the there are no, there are expectations that the fans have, and you've got to fit there within aren't that sandbox. Any actual guide rails for that though. They're not it really. depends. It depends on the property. It depends on well, how how much they've yes, held to the no, continuity in the canon. But because again, we all come, we all, here's here's the problem is that fandom is not a monolith. No, but Star Trek has a specific tone. Well, and Star and Trek, the fans no, it doesn't. to a certain no. extent to Deep a certain Space extent, Nine Deep, Deep Space, Space Nine, Nine still had derailed the tone. It, no, because it was still optimistic and hopeful the good guys are going to win. And Discovery is nihilistic to the extreme. And no, it doesn't... First season, no, the first season of Discovery is nihilistic. Everything after that is a completely different show because what they kept doing with that show, whether you like Discovery or not, 
is that they reinvented the show every season. And it, now it's a it's it's all about being a hopeful series in the future. That's its whole thing now, which is, you know, whether or not you you enjoy that, that's fine. Um, or don't enjoy it. That's also fine. But but the fact that it took four years to get there means that they well, they they figured out that what they were doing wasn't working. Well, they so again, we've talked about this before, too. The problem with prequels well, yeah. And and Discovery shot itself in the foot by making itself a prequel in a very specific time and place that did not give it storytelling maneuverability. Yes. You could once the path the path that Star Trek Discovery put itself on during the first season hamstrung every writer involved in that show. And that is that okay, you know what? You make a decision and you live with it. And second season, you sit there and go, okay, let's do something different. And that's where you get Strange New World comes out of the second season. Um, and honestly, I'm in, I enjoyed Star Trek Lower Decks. I know people don't. That's fine. Frankly, it amuses me. But And I'm looking forward. I actually enjoyed the last season a lot. Yeah. And I'm actually looking forward to the new season. I'm curious how they're going to do the crossover. Because Strange New Worlds I, and Lower Decks yeah, is supposed to do a crossover. It's going to be part of season two of Strange New Worlds, which means it's going to be live action. Tawny Newsom and, and and Jack Quaid are going to show up as live one action. Would is, one they, would assume. They confirmed it at the panel. But I'm just Anson Mount, Anson Mount also said that there's going to be a two-dimensional animated pike. So I don't know how they're going to do this. It could It could very easily go off the rails with this. The other part of that, too, is they're 100 years apart. They don't well, take yeah, place I mean, at the same time period. Yeah, but, I mean, time travel in Star Trek is a thing. It's way easy in Star Trek. I know. Um, but it's, but it's so easy to get um, wrong. And how many times have we done time travel? I mean, really. Uh, We've dipped into that well I'm, a dozen times look, already. It's The original old. series went to time travel too many times. All of them did. I know. So... You know, I, it's nonetheless. I mean, I I enjoyed the, I I think I think what I think what strange new uh, uh, what lower decks got right in the second season was that I think they for me again my opinion you can disagree um, is they got that balance between playfully making you know making light of some of the various aspects of the Star Trek universe. And spending a lot of time doing character development for the characters. Yeah. So by the time the dramatic end, if you've not seen the season, by the dramatic end actually happens, you're like, oh, it's a cliffhanger, and I kind of care what happens. So, I mean, that's, I think it's a show that, that I think grew into itself better. But, I, like I said, I'm enjoying it. it it's it's fun. Yeah, I think it's the fun. same. I think the same could be said for the Orville because it it started out a little bit more of a parody than it's ended up being. Uh, because a lot oh, yeah. of people the Orville, that, the Orville it's is a now show a Star that Trek I think show. That, that I have enjoyed more as it, and I, I I didn't dislike it at all. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, I've enjoyed it more as it's as it's continued on, um, and the fact that you know, it's. Brought to you by the guy who makes Family Guy. Still. I know, right? <laughs> Get your braider out of it. Because, I mean, in fairness, in fairness, there's 
I enjoyed early Family Guy, and it's often very crass and immature humor. Um, and Orville, while it can have those moments, mm-hmm. um, that's not the dominant form of humor. So it's it, in fairness, in fairness to you know, you know, you get you expect certain things from certain creators because that's the thing that be, that made them famous. Yeah, but that's not necessarily who they are. And and you know he's it's clear that he loves that kind of story. And that's great. That's absolutely great. Um, yeah. Um, let's see. We got a new, we got a new, um, interview with the vampire trailer. I haven't seen that. Which really cemented the fact that they've moved it forward in time. They're not going yeah. back to, uh, and, and I read a, read a comment with the, or an interview with, with the guy behind the series and in the novels, um uh Lewis is a plantation owner oh, during okay. slavery. Yeah. And the the guy behind the show is like he goes I'm not I'm not the guy to do that. I don't I don't want to go there. And so we're not going to. Not to mention it costs less to set it in the 20s. And it's like okay, fair enough. Yeah. And I mean the the thing about the thing about interview with a vampire is that the first book Okay, I'm not going to say the first book is the worst in the series, because I don't think that's true. But there's a reason why Interview with a Vampire was published, and nobody cared. Vampire Lestat was published, and she rebooted the character. Mm -hmm. Then Interview got a reprint, and... And she revised it, it, didn't she? It became a hit. Yeah. But the thing is that when it was first published, interview interview is a weak novel. I'm sorry, and it's two hundred pages of Louis whining. <laughs> oh no, I'm young. I'm totally young and beautiful. Oh no, it's like shut up. Um, <laughs> and and then Lestat comes along and it, it was the vampire Lestat, and it's vampires rock god, right? So it's just, it's a completely different tone. Yeah. And so I am fine with them using this series to set up that world because, frankly, Interview, for me, is not a great book. And I love, you know, the 20s is a great visual era. Um, still they've, cost, they've, it's still going to cost money to make it a period piece, though. Oh, sure. But um, they've got the, they've aged up Claudia, who's a little girl, quite frankly, um, that comes down to labor, uh, labor yeah. laws and, and child actors. And I completely get it. I mean, yeah. this is, some of this is stuff is just the realities of the business and I'm fine with that. I don't think, uh, is, is she, looks pretty good. is she involved? Um, what Anne Rice? No, she's, she's dead. Isn't she? She's dead. She's dead. Yeah. That's she's what I thought. Dead. Yeah. Okay. I'm not sure if her son, uh, Christopher is involved or not. I can't remember. Um, but, um, yeah, it's it's it looks so the Tom Cruise movie was I think truer to the source material visually and mm. but in terms of story beats it looks like they're going the same route for the for the series and they've got more time to do it than the movie did right so I think you're going to get some deeper some deeper parts and um, and fingers crossed 
fingers crossed it's it's that the time is well spent but we'll see i mean i'm yeah. i'm more curious that um what they do with the mayfair witches because you know when when they get ready to do the vampire lestat stuff i'll be more excited about that but i'm also going to check out after queen of the damned in all likelihood because i checked out for the books after yeah because i thought that Anne rice is an uneven author very uneven author i think at some point maybe maybe we look at maybe we have a conversation and give people permission to check out of something if they don't enjoy it anymore honestly folks i will say this right now like the things you like don't like the things you don't like check out when you need to remember that every as much as we want them to be all of these folks are creating this stuff for whatever reasons and sometimes it's for you and sometimes it's not and um we're old enough now that when they are making stuff for the next generation or our kids kids yeah um some of that stuff is just not gonna land for us and that's okay some of it is I'm, you know, I complete some of this brand new stuff, this new stuff, whether it's horror or science fiction or fantasy or combat movies or whatever. Some of the stuff I am cheerfully enjoying. And I think it's I think it's appealing to, you know, it's appealing to me just fine. And there's some of it. I'm just like. OK, that's fine. <laughs> it's, it's not my thing. Yeah. But I'm pleased. I'm pleased when something is is clearly marketed towards a younger audience like Miss Marvel it's it's targeted for a young for a, for a younger audience and i really enjoyed that show yeah i thought it was good i i, I thought I, that I that it. i found that show just appealing in a way that i think some of the and and more consistent it's got it has missteps but more consistent overall than some of the tv series that that Marvel has made. Yeah. Now, Dave, at some point, one of us or both of us is going to say something that you're not going to like and you're going to go away. I mean, that, that, there is always that potential. We're, oh. we're not, we're not going to hit it out of the park 100% of the time, but, uh, I just, I mean, you and I, <laughs> you and I have talked about this before a little bit, but I think that, and it, and it ties into the, it's okay to check out on the thing is that, you know, we, We've consumed so much content. Mm -hmm. Even even leaving aside things like this show, you and I have consumed a ton of content. Yeah. And after a while, it's like, there's all this amazing, wonderful content that I have consumed. Um, this is bright and shiny new content, but it's just part of this all this other content I've consumed. And, and I've got to say... I hate that word. Content? Yeah. It just, it, yeah. it's so, it, it completely miscategorizes everything that's supposed to entertain us. 
because it's content it, and, it, it, and it goes back to they live consume yeah it consume it's, it's complete, the product it's, it's all about the marketing of the product there's no question yeah there's no question and and i think that that what we have seen over the last several years is just like every brand that has sold us a thing over the last hundred plus years well longer than that obviously um sometimes the ad campaign goeth awry yeah and um you know that's okay not everything not everything is for me and that's fine that's way it goes yeah, I, I mean, and I, I get to enjoy, I get to enjoy the things I enjoy, and I mean, I'm, there's a whole lot of Marvel TV series that I'm like, okay, that's interesting, and we'll see how it plays out. Um, I will say, uh, and we're running long here, so, and there's a lot we could dive into, we, we could make a whole other episode about this. Yeah. Um, on the horror side of things, The Walking Dead, if you were looking forward to The Walking Dead movies... The Rick movies. Right. That's going to be a series now, right? Right. So so here's the thing. Um, it was going to be three movies. And the series is six episodes long, which is three, three, three movies. movies. <laughs> but but here's here's the other thing is and and Justin Adair, who I do a, a podcast, another podcast with, um, we were talking about this the other day. It's. From an actor standpoint, for from a lady who has her a very successful film career, and an actor who lives in a different continent, mm-hmm. who has to travel to the U.S. to do these things, the TV series is going is is much easier for the actors sure. to make their schedules coordinate than three two-hour movies unless you shoot them back to back which is really brutal on the cast and crew well i mean you if, you're, if, if you're shooting six episodes you're shooting three movies back to back well but you and i both know that tv and film are handled differently when it comes to that so yeah but in terms of the I'm workload just, i mean the schedule you get it, it's it's essentially the same ish but it's easier it's going to be easier to schedule for the two of them and quite frankly as interesting as an idea as a Walking Dead movie sounded, Walking Dead fans, if you're a fan of the TV show, if you're a fan of this character, these versions of these characters, you became fans through a TV show. Mm-hmm. A six-episode series bringing these characters back is going to be much more accessible and easy for these folks to watch and and make part of this world than movies are going to be, uh, I think. Um, but that's a lot of Walking Dead content, folks. If yeah. you're not a fan of The Walking Dead, you've got five series that are going to be on at the same time or in the same, like, year. Crazy. Wait, you got, you got Walking Dead, you got Tales of the Walking Dead, you got the Rick Michonne thing. Well, you've got Fear, Fear of the, the Walking, Walking Dead because Walking Dead is going away. you got Fear of the Walking Dead, Tales, Rick and, Rick and Michonne. You've got um, the Negan and Maggie show. And you've got Daryl Daryl's European Vacation. Um, it's too much. And it's five shows that are no longer based on the comic; they're inspired by the comic. Yeah. So too much, too much, too much at we'll one see. point. 
because that's well, what happened I mean, to well look what happened to Star Trek. I mean, there was too much. Well, and I think that I think so. It depends. So Tales is six episodes. Um, Rick and Michonne is six episodes. I have no idea what the lengths of of um, Daryl's and um, and it'll probably Negan be and Maggie shows are. Yeah. Um, Fear the Walking Dead just brought back Madison, so the show has got revitalized to a degree. We'll see. Um, and they've been doing what sixteen episodes a season. So depending on how this is scheduled, it may not feel like yeah overload. But right now, it sounds like overload. I am I am intrigued. Going back to the Marvel thing, talking about episode count, I am intrigued by the by the notion that the new Daredevil is going to be thirteen episodes. No, sixteen episodes. I think is sixteen episodes. And it's like everybody was like, what? They're going to do like almost almost a full season like they used to do back in the old days. But, I don't know. Again, there's a lot to like about the Netflix series versions of these characters. Yeah. But almost every single one of those shows had at least one episode of bloat. Well, yeah. At least one episode of bloat. Yeah. But as long as I mean, it's I, got a hallway fight, yeah. everything should be fine, right? It, it has potential. I mean, it's got potential. I'm, 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 yeah. I'm moderately pleased to see it. Um, but again, I just be. And just he's in his in his original guys. suit. Huh? You yeah, notice he, yeah, the the original suit, the, what he started out in the comics, the red I'm, and yellow. I'm. I like pretty much well, except for except for Danny Cage. Um. Danny Cage, Danny Rand, Danny, Danny Rand. Yeah, Danny Cage is a different character. Luke Cage. Luke Cage. Um, yeah. So I actually liked all the, with the exception of. Yeah. That character, I liked all the actors who played the characters in the Netflix series. I think they did a fantastic job casting those series, and so I'm, I'm hoping we get to see more of them come back. Well, I know um, a lot of people are lobbying for Christian Ritter. I know Mike Coulter is over on Evil right now, so he's probably going to be tied up for a while. So we don't, I, we probably are not going to get Luke Cage for a while. No, but I mean, they can do a cameo. I, I, I'd, yeah. I'd settle for him making a cameo appearance just to just to show those characters are still around because I think he was fantastically cast. Christian Ritter was fantastically cast. Uh, John Berthold was was I think one of the more interesting versions of the Punisher, mm -hmm. um, and. So I think they did a really good job. And of course, you know, they had probably the best kingpin to ever be on screen. Yeah. So no no offense to Michael Clark Duncan, who was fantastic in a bad movie, but Well He was in a bad movie. And I and I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree with Robert here because just just because we're saying something has potential doesn't necessarily mean that we're expecting it, you know, it's it should be better, but it isn't because we don't know. The potential is there for something really good and entertaining and well crafted. The potential is also there for it to go completely sideways and off the rails. It's too soon to tell. Yeah. I mean that's that's one of the things that, that something like SDCC can really get you is a sense of excitement about some of this stuff that has potential. And some of this stuff 
you know, looks really cool. And some of it, it's like, okay, eh. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's all marketing. But some of this stuff is also right around the corner. So I've got, you know, She-Hulk is coming out. Sandman is coming out. Both of these are shows that I'm going to watch. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I... It's going to hurt my soul <laughs> if Sandman lets me down. But I'm also going in knowing that it's not going to be the comic book that I read when I was in my teenage years. Right. And that's okay. Because that was the 80s, kids. And we... <laughs> that was a long time ago. Mm. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to do it for us tonight, then. Uh, speaking of around the corner and things where we can find us and connect with us and all that other good stuff and everything, and that was a terrible transition, but there it is. Uh, we've got <laughs> 10 different social media accounts where you can find us, uh, depending on, on where which dumpster fire you want to want to jump into. Uh, so you can connect with us over there. Also, we do want to encourage everyone to connect with us on Odyssey. Uh, we need to get our numbers up over there. And I got to say, I'm a little frustrated because we went an entire week, 2,100 subscribers and more, and we lost all of them over the weekend. We're back down to 2,096. So go share the link. Go tell people about us. Get those numbers back up. Those are rookie numbers or something, right? <laughs> <sighs> all right that's going to do it for us tonight i suppose thanks very much for being here all of you in the chat good to see you there and uh, those of you who are here in uh, in replay you can still leave us a comment of course your feedback h2o at sci-fi for me.com and we'll be back to do it again next week that's right. this has been a presentation of sci-fi for me radio copyright 2022 by flaming dog media 